Part 5 of Offenses Against Oneself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bolt of Tash. Offenses Against Oneself. Pederasty by Jeremy Bentham. Part 5. Hatred of Pleasure Nero, I think it was, or some other of the Roman tyrants, who is said to have offered a reward to any one who should discover a new pleasure. That is, in fact, no more than what is done by those who offer rewards for new poems, for new mechanical contrivances, for improvements in agriculture and in the arts, which are all but so many means of producing new pleasures, or what comes to the same thing, of producing a greater quantity of the old ones. The object, however, that in these cases is advertised for, is not advertised for under the name of pleasure, so that the ears of these moralists are not offended with that detested sound. In the case above mentioned, from the character of the person who offered the reward, it is natural enough to presume that the sort of pleasure he had in view in offering it was sensual, and probably venereal, in which way no new discoveries would be endured. It is an observation of Helvetius, and, I believe, of Mr. Voltaire's, that if a person were born with a particular source of enjoyment in addition to the five or six senses we have at present, he would be hunted out of the world as a monster not fit to live. Accordingly, Nothing is more frequent than for those who could bear with tolerable composure the acts of tyranny by which all Rome was filled with terror and desolation, to lose all patience when they come to the account of those miserable devices of lasciviousness which had no other effect than that of giving surfeit and disgust to the contemptible inventor. How far the antipathy is a just ground! Meanwhile, the antipathy, whatever it may arise from, produces in persons how many soever they be in whom it manifests itself, a particular kind of pain as often as the object by which the antipathy is excited presents itself to their thoughts. This pain, whenever it appears, is unquestionably to be placed to the account of the mischief of the offence, and this is one reason for the punishing of it. More than this, upon the view of any pain which these obnoxious persons are made to suffer, a pleasure results to those by whom the antipathy is entertained, and this pleasure affords an additional reason for the punishing of it. There remain, however, two reasons against punishing it. The antipathy in question, and the appetite of malevolence that results from it, as far as it is not warranted by the essential mischievousness of the offence, is grounded only in prejudice. It may therefore be assuaged, and reduced to such a measure as to be no longer painful only in bringing to view the considerations which shew it to be ill-grounded. The case is that of the accidental existence of an antipathy which would have no foundation if the principle of utility were to be admitted as a sufficient reason for gratifying it by the punishment of the object, 
in a word if the propensity to punish were admitted in this or any case as a sufficient ground for punishing one should never know where to stop upon monarchical principles the sovereign would be in the right to punish any man he did not like upon popular principles every man or at least the majority of each community would be in the right to punish every man upon no better reason if it were so would heresy if this were admitted we should be forced to admit the propriety of applying punishment and that to any amount to any offence for instance which the government should find a pleasure in comprising under the name of heresy i see not i must confess how a protestant or any person who should be for looking upon this ground as a sufficient ground for burning pederasts could with consistency condemn the spaniards for burning moors or the portuguese for burning jews for no pederast can be more odious to a person of unpolluted taste than a moor is to a spaniard or a jew to an orthodox portuguese the antipathy itself a punishment besides this the antipathy in question so long as it subsists draws with it in course and without having recourse to the political magistrate a very galling punishment and this punishment is the heavier the greater the number of persons is by whom the antipathy is entertained and the more intense it is in each person it increases therefore in proportion to the demand there is for punishment on this ground although the punishing it by the hands of the magistrate were not productive of the ill consequences just stated it would seem hard to punish it in this way upon the ground of that circumstance which necessarily occasioned it to be punished another way its being already punished beyond what is enough is but an indifferent reason to give for punishing it more punishment however not an incentive some writers have mentioned as an objection to the punishing of practices of the obscene kind that the punishment is a means of putting men in mind to make experiment of the practice the investigation of the offence and the publicity of the punishment being the means of conveying the practice to the notice of a multitude of persons who otherwise would never have thought of any such thing from the circumstance of its being punished they learn of its being practised from the circumstance of its being practised they conclude that there is a pleasure in it from the circumstance of its being punished so severely they conclude that the pleasure is a great one since it overcomes the dread of so great a punishment that this must often happen is not to be denied and in so far as it does happen and occasion the offences to be repeated it weighs against the benefit of the punishment this is indeed the most popular argument of any that can be urged against the punishment of such practices but it does not appear to be well grounded it proves nothing unless the punishment tends as strongly in the one way to spread the practice as it does in the other to repress it this however does not appear to be the case we should not suppose a priori for at the same time that it brings to view the idea of the offence it brings to view in connection with that idea the idea not only of punishment but of infamy 
not only of the punishment which should prevent men's committing it in the face of the public, but of the infamy which should prevent their discovering any inclination to commit it to the nearest and most trusty of their friends. It does not appear to be the case in point of experience. In former times, when it was not punished, it prevailed to a very great degree. In modern times, in the very same countries since it has been punished, it has prevailed in a much less degree. Besides this, the mischief produced by the punishment in this way may be lessened in a considerable degree by making the trial and all the other proceedings private, which may be done without any danger of abuse by means of the expedient suggested in the book relative to procedure. Danger of false prosecutions greater in this case than others. A very serious objection, however, to the punishment of this offence is the opening it makes for false and malicious prosecutions. This danger in every case weighs something against the reasons for applying punishment, but in this case it weighs much more considerably than perhaps in any other. Almost every other offence affords some particular tests of guilt, the absence of which constitutes so in any criterions of innocence. The evidence of persons will be in some way or other confirmed by the evidence of things. In the ordinary offences against property, the circumstance of the articles being missing or seen in undue place, in offences against persons, the marks of violence upon the person. In these and, in short, in all other or almost all other cases where the offence has really been committed, such circumstances will take place relative to the appearance of things, and will therefore be expected to be proved. In any offences which have hatred for their motive, the progress of the quarrel will afford a number of characteristic circumstances to fix the imputation upon the person who is guilty. In the case of rape, for instance, where committed on a virgin, particular characteristic appearances will not fail to have been produced, and even where the object has been a married woman or a person of the same sex, marks of violence will have been produced by the resistance. But when a filthiness of this sort is committed between two persons, both willing, no such circumstances need have been exhibited. No proof, therefore, of such circumstances will be required. Wherever, therefore, two men are together, a third person may allege himself to have seen them thus employing themselves, without fear of having the truth of his story disproved. With regard to a bare proposal of this sort, the danger is still greater. One man may charge it upon any other man without the least danger of being detected. For a man to bring a charge of this sort against any other man without the possibility of its being disproved there needs no more than for them to have been alone together for a few moments. USED AS AN INSTRUMENT OF EXTORTION This mischief is often very severely felt. In England, the severity of the punishment and what is supported by it, the moral antipathy to the offence, is frequently made use of as a means of extorting money. It is the most terrible weapon that a robber can take in hand, and a number of robberies that one hears of, which probably are much fewer than the ones which one does not hear of, are committed by this means. 
if a man has resolution and the incidental circumstances are favourable he may stand the brunt and meet his accuser in the face of justice but the danger to his reputation will at any rate be considerable men of timid natures have often been almost ruined in their fortunes ere they can summon up resolution to commit their reputations to the hazard of a trial a man's innocence can never be his security knowing this it must be an undaunted man to whom it can give confidence a well-seasoned perjurer will have finally the advantage over him whether a man be thought to have actually been guilty of this practice or only to be disposed to it his reputation suffers equal ruin after so much has been said on the abomination of pederasty little need be said of the other irregularities of the venereal appetite if it be problematical whether it be expedient upon the whole to punish the former it seems next to certain that there can be no use in punishing any of the latter between women where women contrive to procure themselves the sensation by means of women the ordinary course of nature is as much departed from as when the like abomination is practised by men with men the former offence however is not as generally punished as the latter it appears to have been punished in france but the law knows nothing of it in england code penal title thirty five page two thirty eight j b whether worse between men and women than between men it seems to be more common for men to apply themselves to a wrong part in women and in this case grave authors have found more enormity than when the sex as well as the part of the object is mistaken those who go after the principle of the affront which they say in affairs of any such sort is to god almighty assure us that the former contrivance is a more insolent affront than the latter see fortescue's report j b the affront should be the same if from necessity or caprice a person of the female sex should make use of a wrong part in one of the male if there be one idea more ridiculous than another it is that of a legislator who when a man and a woman are agreed about a business of this sort thrusts himself in between them examining situations regulating times and prescribing modes and postures the grave physician who as soon as he saw governor sancho take a fancy to a dish ordered it away is the model though but an imperfect one of such a legislator thus far his business goes on smoothly he may hang or burn the parties according as he fancies without difficulty but he will probably be a little at a loss when he comes to inquire with the jesuit sanchez de matrimonio how the case stands when the man for example having to do with a woman begins in one part and consummates in another thinks of one person or of one part while he is employing himself with another begins with a woman and leaves her in the lurch without calling in the principle of utility such questions may be multiplied and remain undecided for evermore consult the principle of utility and such questions never will be started bestiality 
an abomination which meets with as little quarter as any of the preceding is that where a human creature makes use in this way of a beast or other sensitive creature of a different species a legislator who would take sanchez for his guide might here repeat the same string of distinctions about the vas proprium and improprium the imaginations and the simultaneity and so forth accidents of this sort will sometimes happen for distress will force a man upon strange expedients but one might venture to affirm that if all the sovereigns in Europe were to join in issuing proclamations inviting their subjects to this exercise in the warmest terms, it would never get to such a height as to be productive of the smallest degree of political mischief. The more of these sorts of prosecutions are permitted, the more scope there is given for malice or extortion to make use of them to effect its purpose upon the innocent, and the more public they are, the more of that mischief is incurred which consists in shocking the imaginations of persons of delicacy with a very painful sentiment. Burning the Animal Some persons have been for burning the poor animal with great ceremony under the notion of burning the remembrance of the affair. See Puffendorf, Books 2, Chapter 3, and Books 5, Chapter 3 and Bacon's abridgment, title Sodomy, J.B. A more simple, and, as it should seem, a more effectual course to take, would be not to meddle or make smoke about the matter. Masturbation Of all irregularities of the venereal appetite, that which is the most incontestably pernicious is one which no legislator seems ever to have made an attempt to punish. I mean, the sort of impurity which a person of either sex may be guilty of by themselves. This is often of the most serious consequence to the health and lasting happiness of those who are led to practice it. Its innervating influence is much greater than that of any other exertion of the venereal faculty, and that on three different accounts. 1. Any single act of this kind is beyond comparison more enervating than any single act of any of those other kinds. The reason of this is not clear, but the fact is certain. Physicians are all agreed about it. 2. Persons are, in a way, to give in to this practice at an earlier age than that in which they are in a way to give in to any of those other practices, that is, at an age when the influence of any innervating cause is greater. As the violence to modesty is rather less in this case than in any of these others, a person will with less difficulty yield to the impulse whether of nature or example. In all those other cases the propensity may be kept within bounds by the want of opportunities. In this case there can scarce ever be any want of opportunities. Physicians are also agreed that this is a not infrequent cause of indifference in each of the sexes to the other, and, in the male sex, it often ends in impotence. It is not only more mischievous to each person than any of those other impurities, but it appears everywhere to be much more frequent. In popular estimation, however, the guilt of it is looked upon as much less than that of any of them, and yet the real mischief we see is incomparably greater, and yet it has never been punished by any law. 
would it then be right to appoint punishment for it by no means and for this plain reason because no punishment could ever have any effect it can always be committed without any danger or at least without any apparent danger of a discovery domestic discipline the proper remedy against impurities with regard to all the abuses of the venereal appetite while the party is under age they seem to be the proper objects of domestic discipline after he has come to be out of that jurisdiction or even while he is yet under it these or any other indecencies committed in the face of the public will be proper objects of the coercion of the laws while they are covered with the veil of secrecy the less that is said about them and particularly by law the better end of part five